You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And Elvis Andrus returns to the White Sox, and Elvis is in the building. The the people rejoiced. I, you know, I I'm Yay. amazed at how excited everybody is. Uh, I'm not sure if we should be as excited as we are, but Elvis is back, and he's going to be starting at second base, according to Rick Hahn, which is a bold statement. Like he comes out, he goes, "Hey, I paid three million dollars to have a guy that never played second base in the major leagues ever." to come play second base for the White Sox this year to solve all of our second base problems. And he's going to make $3 million and be the everyday second baseman. That's what I expect. And then Rick Hahn, in the next sentence, goes, and Roman Gonzalez, he's going to be a guy we can play everywhere, and he's going to be a backup on the team. Like, Roman Gonzalez, since spring training began, since he got to camp, since the first time Rick Hahn was asked anything about him, has been Rick Hahn gushing about Romy Gonzalez. He worked out great in the offseason. He looks great. He even said he's going to be a Ben Zobris-type player. So he's going to have a hot wife? I guess so, who may get into some trouble at some point. No, right. more like, I mean, I don't know. Are you trying to say he's going to have 45 wins above replacement B-War? And he's going he's, yeah. he's to hit 270 or higher with an OPS over 800 for the majority of his career? Moving all over the place? I don't think so. I mean, did I miss something not. about Romy Gonzalez that I don't know about? Yes, Larry Garcia has left his own mortal shell and has taken over <laughs> Romy Gonzalez's body. Well, that's the other thing. So you're going to pay $3 million to Elvis to play second every day. You're going to have Romy do Lurie's job better than Lurie for the league minimum. And you owe Lurie $11 million over the next two seasons to be what? The backup to Romy? And, and, and I, I really want to get into that today. This episode of Socks in the Basement is brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park, the official home of Socks in the Basement, the podcast for fans, by fans, in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton. Award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites, extensive bar with a rotation of craft beers, familiar favorite spirits, and wines. They're your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties. You can bring the whole family in there beforehand. You can get a good meal at a good price, adequate seating, uh, you know, really nice place, indoor, outdoor. It's just a fun atmosphere where you get to hang out with, with other White Sox fans, eat some good food, drink some good beer, uh, a good environment. After the game, it's like a party, man. See more at corkandcarry.com. All right, uh, but let, let's look at this real quick. What is Larry Garcia? Is he going to make the team? Because I'm not so sure anymore. Because otherwise, there's no there's no position battles, right? Like, it's already set. I can give you the 26-man roster pretty much right now. I think you can. I, I think you can. Let, let's run through it. You've got two catchers, right? You've got Sebi, Sebi Zavala and Yasmani Grandal. And unless Sebi really falls apart and somebody that we're not thinking about comes in and takes the backup job to Yaz... I'm going to guess it's those two. Well, yeah, and the fact that Zavala is out of options, you heard James Fox talk about it. I think even Merck brought it up on this show. I mean, you, you put so much into the guy, and he's finally doing good things. To replace him at this point and give up on him would be strange for this team. Because remember, this is a team that's still convinced that Jose Ruiz is an effective guy in the bullpen. I've already heard such good things about a guy who puts on a runner and a half every inning. 
Okay, he's looking great so far in the first couple of days of spring. He's never going anywhere. But he always does. He always does. So they're not getting rid of Zavala. He's the catcher. No. First base is Andrew Vaughn. I think Gavin Sheets makes the team, don't you? I think Gavin Sheets makes the team. He's talking like it. The team's talking like it. He's a big left-handed bat. That's the second bench spot. Remember, there's only four bench spots. There's only four because it's 13 players, 13 pitchers. That had gone away for a little bit because of COVID, and it's back. 26-man rosters, 13-13. and 13. So here, you got Grandal, Vaughn, Andrus, who's now the official guy. Rick Hahn said at second it. base, yeah. He's second base. He's about to make his second appearance in professional baseball at second base. It's incredible. he appears next for the White Sox. Everyday second baseman. Mancada, yeah. Anderson, Benintendi, Luis Robert Jr. Are you going to call him Jr. every time we call him by that name now? Is that what we got to do? Jr. I can only say the word Jr. If I, if I turn it a little bit into Sean Connery. I love that story since the last time that we talked that that Robert talks to his dad in the offseason and his dad gets mad at him that he doesn't put junior after it because he's a junior and his dad is the Louis Roberts senior. And I guess it isn't a thing normally where he's from, but I guess it's a thing in America. And his dad was like, if everybody else is doing it, you better put a junior in the back of your name. So now he's Robert Jr. Imagine his dad saying, we called the dog La Pantera. <laughs> It's an awesome reference that I just watched The Last Crusade this weekend with my kid. So well, I, The I, next I, one's coming out perfect. in June. So It was perfect. Okay. Uh, you got Aloya Menez as a DH, and I'm assuming Oscar Colas. I, I would assume Oscar Colas. Everyone's talking that way. Oscar Colas is going to be the right fielder, and he will take the Liam Hendricks spot on the 40-man when they put Hendricks on the 60-day IL. That's how I look at this. Right. Like, they, they, they had to get rid of Bennett Souza to make room for Elvis Andrus to end, uh, end up on the 40-man. So they had to DFA him, and he'll probably get picked up. And so they had to DFA him. They're going to have to make room for Colas, and I think that's what Hendri- the Hendricks move will be. When he goes on the 60-day IL, Oscar Colas joins the 40-man, joins the active 26-man roster, and is in right field. So if Zavala and Sheets, as we already mentioned, are on the bench, and Romy Gonzalez, as Rick Hahn has said, is the next Ben Zobrist, that's three out of four with right. a guy making five and a half million this year and next year who doesn't have a role as a starter or first backup from what I can tell. Because then you then you have to factor in what? Larry is a fourth outfielder? Well, well that's Or Gavin Sheets is a fourth outfielder. Or Romy is suddenly an outfielder. Right. But here, if you were if you were trying to make up a competition right now and you were trying to see if there was any competition for position spots in spring training for the White Sox, Lenin Sosa is down in the minors, okay? Multiple White Sox beat reporters after the the talks on Monday with Rick Hahn said, expect him to be down in the minors. He's starting the season there. He doesn't even have a shot. He's already been said, yep, you're done. That whole debate in the offseason's over. Romy's on the team. Lennon Sosa's off the team. Elvis Andrus is signed and he's playing second base, okay? So any other guy who could possibly compete to be on the major league roster, Jake Berger, and four non-roster invitees, let's say Jake Marisnik, Billy Hamilton, Victor Reyes, all outfielders, Hanser Alberto, who's a middle infielder, and I think can play some third base. Well, and Alberto's out, right? Because with Romy, with Romy, Alberto is, is completely unnecessary. So the question is, do you want Billy Hamilton or Jake Marisnik as your fourth outfielder, or Victor Reyes as your fourth outfielder? Berger's out, too. He's got no uh, chance. And, and Berger's out, too. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Where, where does What does Jake bring to the table that, unless... Unless somebody gets hurt, and then Berger's the first guy up to say, you know, take Yoan Moncada's spot, play first base in place of Andrew Vaughn, DH in place of Aloy Jimenez, or whatever. Right. So in the end, the real question becomes, 
Are you taking a guy like Jake Marisnik? Let's just pick him because we've had several people say that's the guy. I mean, if you think about it, he can run, he can play defense, he can play all three positions in the outfield. He he can he can hit a little bit. He's a better He's hitter a better than hitter what Billy than Hamilton Billy. can do and Victor Reyes can do. So, I mean, like, that's the guy. That's the guy that if you wanted a prototypical extra outfielder on your team, it'd be Marisnik. So the question now becomes, would you would you want Jake Marisnik or Larry Garcia on the team based upon how you're using Romy Gonzalez and the fact that Elvis Andrews is in, on, at second base? And I'm telling you, if there were no if there was no money involved, Marisnik gets added onto the team and you DFA Garcia and you'd move on and you put together the best team that you possibly could. So now the question becomes, will they actually do it? And and I'm going to go to something somebody said in the comments of uh, I put a post out after Elvis gets signed. Like you sign this guy for three million dollars and Romy Gonzalez is making the minimum and you still have Larry for all that money. And the response was, well, that's that's Tony's fault. Now, this is a fan going, well, that's Tony's fault. And there is this perception that Tony LaRussa wielded so much power after his first season and getting a win in the postseason that he could do whatever he wanted to. And he forced this move upon Rick, Rick Hahn. Now, if that's true. So here's the thing. Rick Hahn could be sitting there saying, whoa, I didn't, I didn't waste Jerry Reinsdorf's money. The old man wasted the money. And so is Rick Hahn now stacking it to a point where he can say that to Jerry Reinsdorf, where he can sit there and say, I want to take the best guys, so we got to let this guy go. Tony's the one that wasted all your money, okay? So I, I, if that were true, then I would expect Larry Garcia to be DFA'd. I don't think that's true, though. So that's the thing. I don't think that's true. I think Rick Hahn signed Larry Garcia. And I and I think that if you see Larry Garcia still on this roster when spring training ends, if everybody's still at the same health that they are now and it's all lined up exactly the same way, don't ever come to me again and say that Tony did it. Because if Rick wasn't on the hook for him, he'd dump him with the options that are available to him right now. Where are you putting the guy? You know, Elvis is starting. He's never played second base, and he's a better option than Lurie. The GM said it. Romy Gonzalez, better option than Lurie. When he was going through all the second base options the other day, he just had this throwaway line where he's like, well, you know, we like Romy, and uh, we really like uh, Lenin, and we may go out and get something else, and uh, Lurie's uh, there. <laughs> like, that's all he said! Socks in the basement listeners switch to a new age of life, whether it's grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, maybe it's you. Maybe you got a surgery, you're not sure about how you're going to get around the home, you don't want to be in assisted living. Hyatt Home Medical Equipment is going to set up the house like a smart home, apps that open and close doors, balancing and walking aids throughout the house, lifts that get you from one floor to the next, ramps outside the home, you name it, they make it livable, safe, and comfortable for you at a great price. Plus, they have the latest in diabetes control and the latest in CPAP technology. Testing rooms on site at their big, beautiful showroom in Evergreen Park. They're going to work with your insurance. And if you mention socks in the basement, you get additional money off. There is no reason to go anywhere else for your medical needs. Check out all they have to offer at hhme.com or stop in and see them today. 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. I love the idea of what you said there, that Tony La Russa wielded so much power after getting a playoff win that he was able just to force Larry onto the team. Most franchises, when they talk about getting a playoff win, means they won a playoff series and moved on. Tony La Russa got a single 
playoff victory in one of the games that they played. And that was enough for him to get his guy. On the other hand, Elvis Andros being added to this team ensures that if something happens to Tim Anderson, he's the shortstop, right? Like he moves immediately to short. He's a better shortstop than Romy. He's a better shortstop than Lurie. He's a better shortstop than than, than Lenin Sosa. He's the be- he's the best shortstop that they can have defensively. So he's going to move over there. Now, here's my problem, though, with Elvis Andros and the excitement over getting him. This is not an accomplishment, White Sox fans. Elvis Andros being your everyday second baseman is not an accomplishment. This is not in any way what the answer should have been at second base. We're talking about a guy who I have great hopes for, and it's it's an upgrade over what you already had, right? Even though I would have liked to have seen Sosa. I really kind of want to see what the kid could do. But instead, you're going to bring this 34-year-old veteran in. They like his leadership. They they said that this is a guy who was in the locker room that was making a difference, and I'll buy that because there was a, there was a lot that changed. I think so. Okay? So I'm going to buy that. And if that's something they need on this team, then okay, fine. Then I, I'll I'll accept that. But when I look at what Elvis Andrus has been, especially at the plate, I'm not going to question his defense. He's a good defensive player, and it's hard to figure out what his range is going to be and how he's going to field the ball when he's when when he's when he's playing second base because he's playing a different position. So I'm not even going to get into sabermetric defensive you know range factors and things like that. But at the plate, Elvis Andrus has not been a really effective hitter since he was 28 years old when he was with the Rangers. And there was a happy fun ball out there because like the league average OPS was almost near 800 in that year. And that's about where he was. He generally comes in below average from what the OPS is in Major League Baseball year to year. And he had a great, great 43 games with the White Sox. But even in those 43 games, 271 with the 773 OPS and an OPS plus of 116. He he was a lot hotter at the beginning of that stretch than at the end. And if you combine him with the 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 first half of the year that he had with Oakland, he basically was league average with his OPS hitting 249. And that was the best year that he had had in like five years. So we got a guy at the end of his career who had a nice couple of months. The idea that he's the answer at second may be kind of a stretch. And so while I I do enjoy the idea that you you brought in a veteran and you like what he's like in the clubhouse and he's a talented defensive player and I've been saying this this whole time with these bigger bases and the new rules on pickoffs and the the change in the shift rules that it, it's important to have a, a solid defensive player and I think you could take a shortstop and move him to second and athletically they should be able to handle the position without a problem. So I've got oh, there's a lot of good there. If you think he's going to give you what he gave you in those like five weeks when he was red hot with the White Sox last year, I, I think you're sadly mistaken. I think you're you're overvaluing Elvis Andrus. Oh, it's there's no question. Look, his his on base percentage is going to be the key number for him. Okay, because OPS, his slugging percentage isn't ever isn't ever going to be all that great, right? His career high in home runs is 20, and as you said, that was his 28 year old season with Texas. Uh, he had 17 in. 2022 total between the two seasons, but nine with the White Sox was a lot. I mean, that's that's a lot for him. So I don't think he's going to hit for much power, but you want him on base, right? The problem is, is that his lowest career on base percentages have been 2020 with Texas with a 252, which is terrible. Okay. That's what got him out of Texas. 
2021, a 294 on base percentage with Oakland. Again, not very good. Uh, last year with Oakland, 301. Uh, 2018 with Texas, 308. And even last year with the Sox, 309, which tied him for his 2015 year, you know, which was okay, right? So he's not going to get on base a ton if he doesn't completely change his approach and start turning into a guy who takes a ton of walks, which is not something he's ever done either. He's not going to do that because he's an old dog. That's a new trick. He's not that, changing. That's a completely new trick. Right. And, and he has... He took single-digit walks last year with the White Sox, single-digit walks in 2020 with, with Texas. So in the shortened sense, you know, he's not walking a ton over the course of the 43 games with the Sox, 29 with Texas in, in 2020. And he's not eclipsed 50 walks since 2013 is the last time he did it. So this is a guy who's not going to walk a lot, and he doesn't strike out a ton either, which is good. He's going to put the ball in play, but he just doesn't hit very well. And and he's going to be a guy that you're going to re- rely on for his contribution to be take a shortstop's arm, take a shortstop's range, and put it at second base so that he can cover the kind of ground he would cover on the other side of the infield, but against the shift. Yeah, but think about this now. Because you're talking about a guy who doesn't take a lot of walks and, and basically is going to swing at everything, right? And the guy at the right. top of the lineup is basically the same guy, right? And then right. you got Oscar Colas, who you were like, you know, the real fear I have about him is that he strikes out an awful lot, right? And like right. Colas and Andrus are probably at the bottom of the order, and it flips back to Anderson at the top, doesn't it? Like, you could uh, have yeah. some maddening bottom into the top innings where you're screaming that somehow we're out of the inning, one, two, three, and we saw four pitches. And wasn't that one of the problems from last year? Like, so that's a little bit of an issue. Yes. I, I'm not trying to be negative, but that's what just popped into my head as you're describing him, knowing that he will be in the same lineup as T.A. with a guy like Colas in the lineup as well. That could. ooh, ooh, I mean, like there's there's things that I look forward to and there's things I don't look forward to. I don't look forward to those innings where the White Sox hitters in the eight, nine and one spot see four pitches and the other teams out of the inning. They're not going to work the counts. And that, that is something that we think back to successful White Sox teams they had at the top of the lineup, right? They, they, they had some of that. Well, the top of the lineup, they'll get it after Anderson. Yeah. And, and you know what? And his thing works. I mean, his, 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 the, he puts balls in the play where, like, you know, the, the BABIP always makes it seem like he's lucky. But he's done it so many years now that that's just what he is. He's good at putting the ball where they ain't. All right. It's a skill that probably doesn't show up very well when they're doing these sabermetric measurements and they're trying to figure out and project the guy. But he finds a way to do it at this point. I believe that that's just a skill that he's good at. He finds a way to put the ball where they ain't. He also is a very aggressive hitter. You have a pretty traditional number two guy in Benintendi, which is going to support that even more than it's ever been supported with him coming up second. And then you have the potential, especially if Jimenez is hitting the way that he's he's expected to hit. I saw what his numbers were when he came back from injury in the second half. I mean, that's all-star caliber, like superstar numbers. When he, you know, the only thing that kept him down was the beginning of his season and the injury. And then when he came back, he was just on fire. You get a season like that out of him. You see Andrew Vaughn take just a logical next step. And you see Luis Robert Jr., go out there to impress dad and he's healthy and you could have a hell of a top of the lineup, but you are going to run into times when that lineup is flipping where you're going to get, you're going to get frustrated. 
time for our weekly segment with the Sox nerd. Dave Marin puts up all those little nuggets and tidbits on the White Sox scoreboard, and then he shows up on Sox in the Basement and shares some other ones with us. You can also get the Sox nerd blog. You can link to it through SoxInTheBasement.com. And Dave is brought to you by the law offices of Parente and Norum. When you've been injured, you need a team that will do what it takes to fight for your rights. Insurance companies only care about one thing, the bottom line. Law Offices of Parente and Norm has a team with experience, dedication, proven results it takes to get you the care and compensation you deserve. Call or text them today, 312-641-5926, or visit pninjurylaw.com. It's time to nerd out with the Sox nerd. How are you, Dave? Great, Chris. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm ready to hear all about catchers. We did pitchers last week, then it's catchers. We're moving around the horn, then we get into the season. There's so much we can do here. I'm so happy you're on Sox in the basement. But what do you have on catchers for us this week? I've got my shin guards on. i got my chest protector on, my mask, and I'm ready to go. And, of course, Sox catching starts with Yasmani Grandal. I'm thinking last year had to be an outlier because – if you look at what he did in 2021, his numbers are off the charts, right? You remember 420 on-base percentage and 520 slugging percentage and 23 homers. And, you know, one interesting thing I've seen so far early on in spring training, especially with the ri- arrival of Elvis, is that people are putting together projected lineups, right? Some of them put Yasmani in the seventh hole. And so I did a little digging on how he's done in the seventh hole, and it's pretty good. Um, in fact, it's his best spot in the order. His average is at 267, and his slugging percentage is at 491, and that's with a pretty decent sample size of 153 games. What do you think of that? I wouldn't mind him down there. I think we're we're talking today a little bit about the idea that that uh, eight ninth spot into the one spot, especially with Elvis likely down at the bottom now, is going to have a a lot of really aggressive uh, like hitters, guys that don't take a lot of walks. And uh, that that could be that could be quick moving. It could also be frustrating when they're through an inning in four pitches. Well, one thing we know about Grandal is that he loves to walk. And uh, Griffal, I think, in, a, in an article by Scott Merkin was, I think he said that he was his catcher and he wasn't even thinking about using him at DH. That's fine by me because Grandal has slashed just 179, 314, and 248 with two homers in 43 games as a DH. So he's obviously more comfortable at catcher. On my blog on him, my season ender, I did a lot of deep dives on like where he stands historically. Like He's the most prolific switch-hitting catcher in White Sox history. But one thing I found historically that was really interesting, Grandal is the White Sox all-time leading hitter at Kauffman Stadium. He's hit 387 as a member of the White Sox there, and that's the highest by any White Sox player with at least 45 plate appearances there. That one I want you to put up on the board when they play the Royals at home in the hopes that Pedro sees it never takes him out of the lineup in Kauffman Stadium. Well, I hope managers aren't making decisions based on what I put on the board. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anything with Sebi Zavala, he's likely the backup, I would think. He worked really well with uh, Dylan Cease. With uh, Cease and Zavala, uh, the slash line was 165, 246, and 273, and Cease's ERA was 1.54, and that's in nine games. The downside was he stood surrender eight homers with the volley at catcher. But I also found it interesting when I was watching the MLB Network's uh, Cy Young show, I do remember Cease crediting Zavala and pitching coach Ethan Katz during the, the time that they interviewed him before the awards presentation. So maybe we'll get kind of a Mark Fidrich, Bruce Kim, Tim McCarver, Steve Carlton type of uh, personal catcher thing there with uh, Sebi and Dylan Cease. 
Well, that's something to look for, even though I hate personal catchers. I want the best hitter in the lineup in there. But you know what? That's an interesting point right there with Sebi Zavala. I didn't know that until I until I nerded out with the Sox nerds. See how I brought it all home there? <laughs> yes, very good. That's why you're a pro. <laughs> I'm actually starting to believe that Grandal is going to be better this year. Like, I don't believe it with Moncada. Every time somebody says he's going to have a bounce back year, I'm like, bounce back from 2019? Because he was bad in 2021 and 22. You don't bounce back when well, it's been multiple years. He was bad years. before 2019, right. and he was bad after 2019. And 2019, the ball was different and everybody could hit. You and I could have gone right. out and hit 260 with 20 bombs in 2019. And Ed believing he could hit 20 home runs in 2019 if he was just a Major League Baseball player is brought to you by alcohol. Barrel-aged stouts, to be exact. There's a great one on tap right now over at Hailstorm Brewing Company, the Vlad Chocolate and Vanilla Blend, 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue, the official brewery of Sox in the Basement is Hailstorm Brewing Company. Incredible lineup of beers, mouth-watering scratch kitchen that is now open at 11 a.m. They're doing lunch, and then you got a working brewery with tap room and a big old beer hall. Thursday the 23rd, a couple of spots still available for the beer tasting guided brewery tour. Will Turner, the brewer himself, going to be giving it 20 bucks a ticket. Flight of beer included in that. Check out hailstormbrewing.com for more details. And before we get into the return of mismatched socks at socksinthebasement.com, we are still giving away the banner that hung up all year long at our sponsor's location, Cork and Carry at the park at 33rd and Princeton. Oh, yeah. We got a ton of response when I first mentioned this about a week or so ago. And then I read some of the emails and contact form stuff and social media posts where people are asking for it. And I had this one family where I believe everybody in the family reached out to me through a different way. Like they all want dad to get it. They all want Jim here to get the banner. I'm not going to read all of their stuff. I'm just going to read Jim's stuff because he probably doesn't realize that everybody else in his family, and I know they're all related because they all have the same last name, but one of them used the contact form, and then one of them reached out through like Instagram, and then one of them reached out through Facebook, and they're all like different names, and they all have the same last name. I'm like, okay, so then Jim reaches out, and he said it would be an honor if we read why he wants the banner, so I'm going to read his this this episode. We're going to have this drawing, I think, on the next episode, but here's what, this is why Jim wants the banner. I want the Socks in the Basement 2022 Cork and Carry banner, please. I will make it the centerpiece of my man cave. My basement will become Cork and Carry North. I would relocate my 12 by 20 signed Devin Hester poster so the banner can be next to my White Sox memorabilia shelf with the following items. Uh, He lists a bunch of things from like Frank Thomas, Carlton Fisk. He's got to get a bunch of stuff. Bo, Ron Kittle, autographed baseballs from Jermaine Dye and Thomas and Jenks. And he's just got a ton of stuff there. I'm just impressed that he's moving Devin Hester. Devin Hester's getting booted for a socks in the basement cork and carry banner. Okay, this this helps. That's an honor because I haven't scored any touchdowns. Right. I mean, this 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 gets my ego going, right? Like we're replacing Devin Hester on this guy's wall. Like, oh, yeah, right. I'm 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 digging it. Right. Uh, it would be highly visible every time my wife goes to the laundry room so she can remember how great it is to be married to a White Sox fan. <laughs> when I go on the bourbon tour, I would drape it over the hood of my F-150. My sons would invite their friends over to see the banner and bask in its glory. I will salute the banner every time I go to the beer fridge. So that's his. Uh, that's Jim's pitch to get the Sox in the basement banner. I love the pitches, but I'm just going to have to do it as a drawing. 
Because otherwise right. it's not fair. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to put him in. He gets one entry. One entry for the last name. Okay. A I, very impassioned entry. An impassioned work. entry. I'll write it in Sharpie when I put it in there. But it's going to be equal. We're going to have the drawing on the next episode. Uh, you wrote an article at SoxInTheBasement.com. Mismatch socks is back. Yeah, back to writing. And I'm excited that your blog is back. What was the article about? Well, I've done this every year for the past three years now. Uh, Pakoda comes out and they basically fade the White Sox, right? Everybody's sitting there going, okay, they got all this talent. You know, I'm watching, you know, MLB, uh, you know, MLB tonight and I'm watching their top 100 and like they're, you know, they're sitting there saying, okay, you know, we don't understand why Dylan Cease is only at 55. He should be higher. This guy's a stud. And yet, the Sox are picked to end up third. So every year I do this where I sit there and I say, I don't care about your advanced metrics and what your math tells you. I can look at the team and I can just compare them position by position, guy by guy to what you say is better. And I can tell you for a fact that the White Sox are better and Pakoda can in fact go suck an egg. So that's what we're doing. So you you got a bunch of those coming up through spring training that you can look at and decide for yourself if I'm right or wrong. Well, here's the thing. The Pakoda projections are basically taking an awful lot of factors and trying to figure out how many wins your team is going to get that year. Sox are supposed to come in third, right? Is that what they had again? By a mile. They're supposed to come in third. It's like 77 wins. I'm not buying that. Okay. No, I don't buy it either. And they they did this the past couple of years. Last year, they said they were going to fall short. Well, they did. The year before, they said they were going to fall short, but they won the division. This team is going to have a winning record. This team is going to have a winning record, challenge for the postseason, and if I had to bet today, I'd bet on them making the postseason and winning their division. I really would. I think they're a very talented team. I don't think there's any way they have a season like they had last year. They had everything in the world go wrong, mainly Tony LaRussa, ineptitude in the, in the front office. Uh, they don't, they, they're not put together the proper way and they still have so much talent. They play over it. They had injuries and I don't, I don't buy the whole injury thing is like, Oh, this year we'll just be healthy. There's going to be injuries this year as well. But what you hope for is that they just get a little bit better roll of the dice and they have a more competent manager. And just that makes me feel like this team is a playoff team. Do I think they can win a world series? No, their, their general manager is lost. He's, he's such a hard time completing a right. meaningful trade. He He's championing. He's actually was talking crap today in the Rick Hahn way of talking crap to the media. He was sitting there saying, oh, you know, I always tell people wait until opening day because that's what our goal is. It would have been a lot nicer to have this done back in November so that like your fan base knew what I was doing. If you signed Elvis Andrus as a second baseman in November with all the other options out there, I'd have been ripping you still. Oh, heavily. Elvis Andrus is not the answer. He's not He's not the answer. Is he a nice signing? Yes. Does he make me feel a little bit better about the the, the second base situation and the, the ability of this team to handle a Tim Anderson uh, a stint on the IL? Yes. Do I like the what they're talking about with the veteran leadership? Of course I do. I saw a quote from Lance Lynn this week where he was talking about how there's some people that just play for the individual. So there's obviously some locker room issues. And so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, they need that kind of leadership. So great. There are good things here. Is he the best option that was available to you? No. And someone adds on how you spend your money because you waste all of it on bullpen arms. And and it's just the silliest way to build a team. And then your owner is also cheap. But you know he's cheap. And he's still going to come up with enough money that a competent general manager could put together a winner. And so if they don't win, I put it on Rick Hahn. I wish Jerry Reinsdorf would spend more money and sell the team, Jerry, please, even though I know you won't. 
But Rick Hahn and Ken Williams, never forget Ken, he's in the meetings. It's a conglomeration. They all consult with each other and figure it out together. That front office has not done what they promised they were going to do. And and I, I'm sick of the excuses. So, you know, sitting around and kind of gloating like, well, you know, if you just would have all been patient. That's what it sounded like to me today. As a fan, my fan, like I, I lose being objective because I'm a fan first. Then I do the podcast. But I lose some objectivity. And my fan anger, like, like it, it spiked a little bit when I heard that. Well, you know, I mean, if we, we could have signed him in November, everybody would have just been calm about the second base situation. No, we, no, wouldn't, we wouldn't have. <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's that's part of it, too. And that's why when you say you put this on Rick Hahn, okay, and when I say I don't believe that there was this was a rebuild, a proper rebuild, what we get back to is, is this a good team? Yes. Is this a team that should compete for their division? Yes. When I'm doing my, my blog, am I talking about them winning the World Series? Not necessarily. Right now, the first, the, the one that, that's out right now, it's just about the Sox versus the Guardians. Okay? And, and, I, and I agree with what you say in that, too. I agree with what you're saying. You're basically saying they, they're better than the Guardians. They should beat they the Guardians. Better. They should be better than the Guardians. Position by position, they, they are better except for in a couple of areas. And But what this gets back to, and what the problem with that statement from Rick Hahn really is, and what the problem is with saying Romy Gonzalez, of all people, is Ben Zobrist, or giving all that money to Larry Garcia, or the fact that they can't make a trade because there's just nothing other than Colson Montgomery and Oscar Colas right. down questionable in the minors. signings, questionable signings. Don't forget questionable, questionable signings, signings, like saying that we would we would be calm about Elvis Andrews. Right. Rick, do you understand how to scout baseball players? That's my question for you because no, he does. The talent level on this team is about twenty-eight to thirty guys deep. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.